0: Right. Good morning. So glad to be here this morning. Um, As I was sitting there in the uh, chair, I noticed something and I'm hoping that I'm not, I really hope I'm not confined to this box. Am I? Oh good. I was really bothered by that to be totally honest with you because I don't know that I could stand in that little box and preach. And and so if you're on Facebook and you miss me or something like that, I'm sorry Colin by the way, you know the box, I'm not going to be in it. You knew that already though, didn't you? It's not going to happen. I can't stand in the box. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so, so blessed, uh, this opportunity to be here. For those of you who don't know me, I, I am Kevin Fletcher. I was youth pastor here, oh man, it's been a year, two years ago almost, probably somewhere in that area. It's been a while. i was youth pastor here for several years. Um, in the last couple of years, my wife and I, um, we've been attending, I was attending several different churches just to kind of get an experience to see each of the churches' different... Um, strategies and, and technologies and things that they were doing. Things that I thought, wow, that was really cool, and things that I thought, wow, I really don't ever want to come back to this place again because that was so bad. Um, so I kind of have a strategy for later on in life whenever everything kind of settles down with Isaac and, I, and his situation, that i will be able to go back to the full-time ministry and I'll know the do's and the don'ts kind of thing. But the last uh, several months, maybe even a year or so, we, we've been attending a church that has been um, really... It focuses on a spiritual gift that I have that I had many, many years ago. I knew about it when I was in, in high school, but it just kind of is laying in dormant, and it's something that um, is just growing now, and I'm learning more and more about it. This church, is that's their focus. And I'm really excited about it. I'm like, yes, so I've probably been there. Um, so just wanted to kind of give you that update. Right now, um, my wife and four girls are all at home. They're not feeling very good. Um, they were all down with something. Michelle's healthy, but everybody else was sick, so... And that ended up being there, so that's why they're not here today. Um, but I just wanted to kind of give you that quick update. And as I was preparing my sermon for today, I was asking Todd a few questions. And the first question I said was, how long do, you, do I get to preach? And he said, well, they're used to getting out there about 6 or 6.30. <laughs> so I hope you guys brought a good lunch, because we're going to have a good time, right? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, you'll make it to your 5 o'clock dinner appointment, I promise. But seriously, no, I I asked him what what he's been preaching on, and he said he'd been talking about hope and and all these things that that, that hope is and, and all this great stuff. And so I thought, you know, I think I can go that direction. I think that'll work out really good. And then I began to think. And I began to think about all the things that are happening in this world. Anybody, like, the world is just, quite honestly... Not really, all that exciting. Think about it. We've we've got we've got wars going on. It's kind of concerning us, right? We've got inflation. Oh man, anybody feeling the effects of that? Can I get an amen? We we've got we've got Isaac. You're not feeling the effects. i keep your hand down. <laughs> He's like, yes, I am. I'm not getting all the stuff I used to get. <laughs> what do you have to say? Ukraine. Yeah, we have a war in Ukraine. We have. We have Ukraine. We have inflation. We have, we have political unrest just in our own country. We have the division that's so intense and so strong. And we have, um, we have it seems like abortion is becoming a, a contraceptive in essence. We have the LGBTQ plus agenda being pushed and spread out and in such a major way. As a matter of fact, um, we've got Disney coming out and saying, hey, we're actually out here to groom your children. To uh, ultimately take away all of their teachings and all their thoughts and and kind of teach them what we want them to believe, and not what you want them to believe. We have all this terrible stuff going on in our world today. And I think about it. And I think, you know, I've got five kids, and they're all going to come up in this stuff, and it's going to be hard on them. And to be honest with you, that, that kind of troubles me a little bit. That kind of that kind of hurts me just a little. Bit. I'm like, man, I'm sorry. I hope that we can get this changed and we can get turned around and we can get, get the world back on track and then we can start seeking God and going in this direction. But it just right now, it just seems so hopeless. And as I was thinking about all those things, I, I came to the passage of Scripture I found in John, chapter 14. And it kind of it struck me. It's a really cool passage of Scripture. It told me that, hey, we can actually have hope. All the things that are going on in this world, they really don't mean a whole lot. So let's go, if you want to turn your Bibles to John chapter 14, we're going to be starting with verse 1, and we're going to go all the way through 18 as we read through this. It starts out at verse 1, it says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. (laughs) Yeah, thanks God, I was all troubled by all these things, and what's your word say? Don't be troubled, right? Kind of awesome how that worked out. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I love this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. If you really know Me, you will know My Father as well. From now on, you do know Him and have seen Him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, Don't you know Me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who's seen Me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in Me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And I'll do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son." You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to help and be with you forever. And the Spirit of truth, the world cannot accept Him, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Let's have a prayer. Praise to you, Father. God, as I just read this passage, and just, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just come and you would fill this room right now. As we think about all the things that are going on in this world, all these things that are troubling us, Lord, may this word today give us peace, give us hope, and help us to be secure in knowing that, Lord, you've got it all under control. I pray that you would just guide the words that I speak today. May they be your words. May they touch hearts and lives. And Lord, may this be something that just, we leave this place radically changed, radically transformed, and on fire for you and ready to go out into this world that, that seems so troubling to shed and to spread your love and your hope to everyone around us. God, direct and lead everything that I say today. In your precious and your holy name I pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Guys, as I was reading that passage, I noticed the very first part said what? Do not be troubled. Don't, don't let your hearts be troubled. Okay, as I thought about all these terrible things in the world. Like, don't be troubled by them. Don't let those things bother you, right? Don't, don't let this stuff discourage you. And I don't know how to describe it other than um, the, the first point, I guess I should be keeping up. I'm supposed to tell them to, to change the next slide. I forget that. Sorry, guys. Um, those of you in the back, I apologize. I'm not really good at the slide thing. That's why I didn't want to use the clicker. But anyway, so as I, as I was thinking about it, I thought, you know, Jesus, He, he calls us to resist discouragement by trusting in Him. It says, hey, don't be discouraged. Trust in me. Trust, the, trust in God. Trust in me. You, you believe in me. Now trust in me. Put your faith and your hope in me. And as I was thinking about this, I can't, I can't describe it to you how to do that, but I can tell you that from personal experience, when you trust God, there's this sense of peace and it's this sense of just hope and joy. And when you don't trust God, there's a sense of dread. And fear, and I can give you example after example after example. But I'll tell you the the, the one example of when I put all my faith in God, that just I felt this amazing sense of peace. That I'll, it was it was so full. Back when Isaac was just a little wee baby, and they diagnosed him with hypoplastic left heart syndrome, and they said, um, first off, he shouldn't even be alive. Said, so how can this kid be two months old and alive? He was blue, but he was still alive. They didn't know what was going on. They're like, "We don't know what to do." This, and well, we can we can go through this transplant. We can go through this 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 surgery process, and you go through that. He might not um, ever be as as strong and fast and as he would have been. Um, and that kind of discouraged me because you know I wanted him to be like my superstar athlete, That's NFL baby, right? He's gonna go play for a, a team other than the Lions because he wants to be on a winning team. <coughs> Broncos, right? <laughs> Not any better this year. Anyway, sorry. No, no. I wanted to be like this good athletic kid. And, well, he's going to have the surgeries maybe. Or we could go another direction. We could do a heart transplant and, and just give him a brand new heart. Because he's, he's old enough. He's big enough. We think he can handle a transplant better. Let's, they, they finally, after lots of debate and decisions, decided to go the transplant route. But during this whole process, I was, I was troubled. Slightly. Because I mean, my, my firstborn son that God promised us that we would have, and now he's he, he's got this sickness, this heart disease that he shouldn't even be alive. And I don't know why he's living, but he's alive. And, and yet now they're going to go in. They're going to they're going And I was I was I was not very happy with God to be honest with you. I told God what I thought of several times. Like God, you're just not very nice. I don't like you. What are you thinking? You know, anybody ever have those moments, or just me? I'm the only one that's going to. Have problems here? Huh? No, I'm just kidding. I know you all thought we've all thought like God. Seriously, what are your plans? I, I was like, God, I'm a pastor. I've been preaching. I've been serving you, and you gave me this boy, and now you're gonna take him from me. And during this whole time, at one moment, God just said, "Kevin, I just want you to give me your son." You know, we named him Isaac for a reason. We named him after Isaac in the Bible, and God said, "You know, I want you to give him to me. I want you to sacrifice your son." I said, "Okay, God, I'll give you my son, but you got to do what you did with Isaac and and in the Bible, and you got to." You gotta heal him. Take away this hypoplastic left heart. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? Man, let me give you God. You get all the glory. He'd be like he had a hypoplastic left heart. It's healed, and and God's like, no, I want your son. No, I want your son. Give me your son. It's okay, God. You can have your son, but he's got to go through these surgeries, and he can he kind of come out of it okay. And God said, no, you don't understand. I want your son's life. It's okay, God. I, God, I got it. I understand what you're saying now. I, I understand. You can have him. Give him a heart transplant and he'll do great, and he'll be awesome. And God's like, no! (laughs) Listen! He wasn't quite that loud, but that's kind of how it seemed like to me. Like, listen, I want your son! Give me your son's life! And I finally said, okay. Okay, God, he's yours. And at that time, he was two months old. And I sat down, and I actually began preparing his funeral service. Because I honestly believed without a doubt that God wanted Isaac's life. And I was preparing the service and I was saying, okay, this is... And I was trying to give God all the praise and all the glory and everything. And I had this whole thing and then, and then praise God, he got a heart and God kept him alive. He's 11. You're almost 12. Oh my goodness, that's crazy. He's, he's 11 years old. He's been doing fairly well, but he's had some major hiccups along the way as, as you, many of you know about. Um, he's now... Hopefully we're praying for a kidney um, to get him on the kidney transplant list so we can get a kidney here soon. Uh, That's where we're at with that. But just praying that all that works out. But when I surrendered Isaac to God, I was overcome with this sense of peace. And this sense of joy. And I didn't know what was going to happen. To be honest with you, I honestly believed that Isaac's, that God was going to take Isaac and he was going to go home. I honestly believed that. But I had this peace, I had this comfort, I had this, this joy that no matter what happens, God is going to be glorified. And I was extremely just, I was blessed to have Him for the two months I had Him. And it gets to be five months old, we get a call that they've got a heart ready to go. We send him to the, to the, the hospital and then we walk down this hall in the, in the cardiac intensive care unit. And my son's on this bed, they just gave him a medicine that made him kind of tipsy and dozy and kind of weird. Um... It was kind of funny, actually. <laughs> you ever see like a five-month-old kind of on a, a medicine that's, woo! it was kind of funny. He's smiling. We, we gave him a kiss. And we said, Isaac, we love you. We prayed for him. And I sent him back through these double doors and the doors closed. And usually at that moment, I think it, was, it would be natural for there to be this sense of, of fear, this sense of dread, this sense of, discouragement because quite honestly they're going to go in they're going to take your son they're going to open up his chest and they're going to pull out his heart that sounds like a really fun thing right and they're going to put a new one in and they're going to put it all back together they're going to try to sew it all back up and we were we were, we were instead of being discouraged instead of being fearful we knew god he's got in his hands no matter what happens in the end is god's and so instead of being afraid We walked back through the the cardiac intensive care unit, back to the room where Isaac was going to be returned to. And we prayed for every single kid along the way. My heart was heavier for the kids that were there in the ICU than for my own son who was in the back having his heart taken out of his chest. There was a peace. There was this, this sense of peace and this comfort. And I want you guys to know that whenever you trust in God... Trust in God. When you put your faith in Him, there's a peace that overcomes. And it just changes. It transforms you. There have been times, uh, not long ago actually, when when Isaac was in the hospital the last time and he was really, really sick and he was having kidney failure again. Again, guess what? I was really trusting and faithful because that's me. Or was I discouraged? I was really discouraged. I was really upset. I was like, God, seriously? (laughs) What are you doing? Like, God, come on! Are you kidding me? He's, he's, he's too young for this. And I was discouraged and I was upset. And I was fearful. And then, again, God and I had a little discussion. And He won once again. Like, I don't know how it is. He's so good at these. You know, he's good. He won and, and I said, okay, God, I give Him back to You. And, and after I gave Him back, and, I was, and now there's this peace again. There's this hope. There's this joy. When we were rejected at Ann Arbor for a heart transplant, um, or for a kidney transplant, not heart transplant, for the kidney transplant, guess what? I was super happy. No, I wasn't. I was really upset. I was really discouraged. I was really angry. And I still have some sense of frustration from that. But Isaac is God's. And God's got a plan. And I need to trust him. Instead of being discouraged, you need to say, okay, God, you got a better plan. And now it looks like we have a better chance of him being accepted at, at Grand Rapids. They're a little more understanding of our position on the COVID vaccine and how we think it might affect him and all the stuff that goes on with that. So a little bit more accepting of that. So we're, we're accepting that and we're, we're excited. God's got a better plan, man. To be honest with you, Grand Rapids is a whole lot closer to home than Ann Arbor. It, is, it really is. And to go back and forth to Ann Arbor after transplant is going to be a lot of drive and a lot of work. But, you know, half an hour is significantly closer. Significantly better and a lot better option. So maybe God's got a better plan than I do. Anybody ever have that experience? Like you realize God's got a better plan? <laughs> a few of you do. Yeah, Chuck, I know you do. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, got, I, I realize God's got a better plan than I do. But, but the truth is God wants you to trust in Him. Just resist discouragement by putting your faith in Him. Putting your hope in Him. And then he goes on and he continues on in this passage. He says, you know what? I don't, want you to, to, I don't want you to be troubled. I don't want you to trust me. And here's why. I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'm going to come back, right? Is that what it says? I'm going to come and get you. So God literally says, hey, you have high hopes no matter what happens in your lives. No matter what the circumstances we find ourselves in. And one of those high hopes is that you have hope for eternal life. Now, has anybody ever tried to imagine heaven and what eternal life is going to be like? Anybody ever think about that? A few of you? Is it just like blow your mind? Like literally, I, I kid you not, every time I think of heaven, I always think of the song I can only imagine. Because I can only imagine what it's going to be like. I have no idea. Um, I knew the young man, uh, Colton Burpo, the book was Heaven is for Real. It was written about him. I got a chance to be in his cabin for a week as his counselor um, I got to know him a little bit, and that kid is just, he saw heaven, he experienced heaven in a major way, and I don't even think he fully understood everything he saw. And it, it just was great. And, and then you read in the Bible, and you see the scriptures, and you see all these scriptures and passages of scripture where, where people are taken up into heaven, and they see glimpses of heaven, and they, their description of heaven is generally speaking something along the lines of, it was like this, and, it, and the heaven was kind of, kind of had this and this, this shining, and, then, and they use words. To describe what heaven was like and and ideas that heaven was like so that we can understand how awesome it was. But really, I think they're just doing the best they can. You know, in, in Revelation chapter, um, get my right passage here, in Revelation chapter twenty one, verses twenty one through twenty-five, we see a description of heaven. It says the gates, the twelve gates were twelve were twelve pearls. Each of the gates made of a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, transparent as glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for the temple is the Lord God Almighty, the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night. Here's just a brief description that the heaven... The streets of heaven are going to be paved in gold. Streets of heaven are going to be paved in gold. Think about that. One of the most precious metals on earth. And the streets of heaven are going to be paved in this. And and not only that, but the gold is like, what did it say it was? It was transparent as glass. Couldn't quite really describe it. So I said, it's like gold and it's like glass. It's so amazing. It's so amazing. Heaven is going to be so awesome. It's beyond anything you will ever be able to grasp or imagine. Literally, I kid you not, that song, I Can Only Imagine, really does do the best job of describing heaven. I can only imagine what it's going to be like. And it's going to be a wonderful place. And God, God wants you to have hopes in this. He said, hey, trust in me. I'm going to come. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And I'm pretty sure he's preparing me a nice place. And and in the garage, there's going to be a Lamborghini. And I'm fairly certain, maybe not, I don't know. It might be better than a Lamborghini, but I don't think there's any car better than a Lamborghini. But hey, you know, that's my opinion. You know, I don't know what it's going to be like. I'm sure that there's going to be tire marks all over the gold streets of me peeling out my Lamborghini. I'm going to just run all the way down to be marks. And you guys are going to be like, yep, Kevin's been here. (sighs) That kid, what are we going to do no, seriously, I don't know what it's going to be like, but God's preparing a place for us, and we have this hope. And that's going to be an exciting time. We're going to get to be with God in heaven. The first hope that he shares, I'm going to come and get you. I'm going to prepare a place, and I'm going to come and I'm going to get you. And then the next hope that we have. This one, I think, it encourages me even a little bit more. Is we have this hope. We have this hope in knowing God and having a personal relationship with him we get to know god and have a personal relationship with him this is not talking about an eternity by the way jesus goes on and says hey you know me right you know me you know the father you have this knowledge of me you know the father so he's saying you already know god you're gonna have a relationship with him because you know me and we have that same promise actually through the holy spirit we get to know jesus and god through the power of the holy spirit and we're gonna have a personal relationship with what world religion are you able to have a personal relationship with God? It's the only one that I know of. That's Christianity. And God says, I want to have not only does He wants to have a personal relationship with you, a personal relationship with you. He wants to know you intimately. He wants to know you deeply. He desires nothing more than to have time with you, and to speak to you, and to to move in your life, and to use you to do things in this world that you can't even describe or understand or imagine. He wants to have a personal, intimate relationship with you. As we saw there in our verse, Thomas says, we don't know where you're going, how can we know the way? I am the way. And he goes on and says, Sorry, I might have went too far there. Yeah, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know who? My Father. From now on, you do know him and you've seen him. Lord, show us the Father, Philip said. That'll be enough. Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can, I say, show you, how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing His work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. God's going to go to the Father. Jesus is going to the Father. And then it goes on. We're going to read in just a little bit. He promises the Holy Spirit is going to be us. It's going to not leave us stranded. It's going to give us the Holy Spirit so that we can have this relationship with God. And as I think about it, um, look, at, look at Luke chapter 12. Sorry, I've got to read this next verse. Luke chapter 12, verses 6 through 12. It says, this is so cool. I love this passage. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Sparrows are sold for a penny, and yet God knows when every one of them fall. And God knows the number of hairs on your head. God likes some of you a lot more than the rest of us. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he still likes you. He knows all the hairs on your head or, or lack of hairs thereof. He knows how many should have been there or whatever. I don't know. He knows, he knows you so intimately. He knows and he has names and numbers for all the hairs on your head, for the hairs on your face, for the hairs. He knows every part of you. And he wants to have that intimate relationship with you. And as I was, last week actually, the church we were at, the pastor said, you know, every single relationship requires one thing. Every relationship requires one thing. That it requires pursuit. If you want to have a personal relationship with God, it requires you to pursue Him. God is already pursuing you. You have to turn and pursue Him. Just like in a marriage. What happens in a marriage if you stop pursuing your spouse? Anybody want to take a guess? 50% of all marriages end this way because we fall out of love or we stop pursuing. Pursuit is key. We have to pursue after God. He wants to have a relationship with you, but He wants you to pursue Him. How do we do that? How do I pursue God? Well, I had a young man ask me this several, several years ago. He said, I want to know God. I want to hear God. I want to speak to God. He asked me this question. I said, you know, I think the best option is this. You know what? It's found right here. And this, this big, thick book, maybe some of them aren't quite as thick as this one is and maybe not as battered and torn up as this one is, but this big book right here, you know what this is called? It's called the Bible. It's God's love letter to you and He wants you to read it. And I promise you, God, let me tell you something, I don't like reading at all. My kids love to read. Don't ever tell your sister, I don't like to read, okay? My kids love to read. They love it so much, they just, they're always in books, and I'm like, how do you guys do this? Seriously, I don't even like... And so it's really hard for me to pick up the Bible and read just because I don't like to read. It's really hard for me to do that because it just... Honestly, I get kind of tired and I get sleepy, you know. And Isaac will testify to this, man. I'm reading the kids' books, you know. Um, A told B, and B told CLC, C, and then... Coconut Tree said Right? I mean, that's kind of how I am. So I know, those of you out there that are saying, it's so hard for me to read the Bible, I know I'm in the same boat. I probably fail at this spot more than any of the rest of you do. But I want you to know that God wants us to read His Word. And He, he wants it so badly. He wants us, that's what He sent it here for. That's why it's here. That's why it's written. For you to spend time in it. So I told this young man, I said, what, what you need to do is you need to spend time in the Word. You want to have a relationship with God? Get in His Word. Read it, study it, understand it. And we were at youth camp. I said, you know, every day we have this, this time. You have this hour space where we require you to go off and be alone. And we call it time alone with God. And I said, I bet the first couple of days, you weren't spending any time with God. You were just doing your own thing, right? Yeah, I wasn't really reading the Bible. Yeah, Duh, I know, because I was watching you. I wasn't either. <laughs> just kidding, I was. But I was like, yeah, I know. I said, I, I know how it is. I know it's hard. I said, but this time, why do you start reading the Bible? Spend time reading. Okay, okay. The next day he reads the Bible, and the next day he says, man, I'm reading the Bible. I found some cruel stuff out in it. He said, now, he said, you always talk about how you hear God speak to you, and God speaks to you. He said, I don't know. How do you know God speaks? When is God speaking? Anybody ever had that question? Like, do you know if God ever speaks? It's hard to know that, isn't it, sometimes? You're like, I don't know. Well, the Bible is very clear. It says, if, if you're my sheep, you'll hear my voice. So the first way to know, that you're, know his voice is you've got to give your life to Jesus. Surrender yourself to him and be his, being his sheep. But the second thing is this, and this is important. You got to shut up. Sorry, that was probably not very appropriate, wasn't it? You got to be quiet. I said that to kindergarten class or first grade class. They're like, just shut up, and they're like, oh, oh. <laughs> so I probably should. You got to be quiet. And I told this young to man, I said, look, man, when you pray, how do you pray? I said, well. Pray, dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all these things you've done for me. Can you help me with this and this and this and this? Amen, and I'm on my way. Everybody's guilty of that or just me? We're guilty of that, right? We're all guilty of it. We pray and we don't stop and we don't listen. Prayer is a two-way street. It's a conversation between you and God. So you pray, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all that you've done. I do have these requests, but I also want to hear your voice. So I said, just take a moment and listen. Do you know that church services, I I, I actually am very much discouraged in many ways by church services because you start a service and is there any silence or much silence between the start of the service and the end? And we're here to seek God. And yet we don't even take time to listen. Okay, now if your toes aren't stepped on right now, You should be listening to what I'm saying. It's true. We need to take the time to listen, don't we? We're here to seek God, and yet we don't even shut our mouths. That's what I told this kid. I said, just keep your mouth shut. I said, say, God, I want to hear you speak. And this was at night, and we sat there, and we were outside, and it was dark, and we're getting ready to go do night games at this youth camp, and this kid loves night games. He's really antsy about these night games. I said, just... Get your mind off the games. Just sit here for a second. God, I want to hear you speak. He prayed, God, I want to hear you speak. He sat there. And you know what happened? About 30 seconds in, this young man started bawling. What in the world? No, I didn't. I knew exactly what happened. God spoke to him. And he heard God's voice, and you know what he said? He looked at me after he finally was able to stop crying. He said, God spoke. I heard God speak to me. And he said, I love you. And he said, I want to have a relationship with you. Listen to me. And this young man, after that moment, he said, can I go back to the cabin? I don't want to play these games. I want to go back to the cabin. I want to go and read the Bible, and I want to hear from God. And I said, have fun. And we came back about an hour later to the cabin, and guess where that young man was at? He was up on his bed, he was sitting there with his Bible open, and he comes in, he jumps off the bed, he says, Kevin! I'm like, what? Oh my goodness, what happened? I said, God's speaking to me! I was reading the Bible, and he told me this and this and this, and it's so amazing! I said, you took the time to listen, didn't you? Yeah. Guys, we've got to take the time. Spend time in His Word. And spend time listening. And by the way, I know I'm guilty of this because I get in my car and the first thing that happens is turn the radio up. And if you've been near my car, now my van, you've been near my van, you hear it go boom, 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 right? Right, Isaac? Yeah, it's pretty cool, isn't it? It's awesome. He likes it too. That's great. I'm raising him up Right? Anyway. No, so I don't, I don't take the time to listen. Again, I'm guilty, but God wants us to take the time. He wants us to take the time to listen. Because He wants to have a relationship with you. And that's a hope that we can have, guys. That's exciting. You can have a relationship with the God who created you. That's awesome, isn't it? That's the, third, the second hope, sorry. And the third hope we have, the third hope we have that Jesus talks about is we have hope in the Holy Spirit. Hope for the Holy Spirit to come. And as as He continues on, Jesus continues speaking. He says, look, excuse me, He says in John chapter 14, verses 12 through 18, It says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in Me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than those because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in My name so that My Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask Me for anything in My name and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. We have the hope of the Holy Spirit. And, guys, when you give your life to Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit, and God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And he wants to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. And he wants you to not just, just say, oh, I got the Holy Spirit living," but he wants you to walk daily in the Spirit. And you know what that means? You got the power of the Spirit living in you. Anybody knows, I got the power? <laughs> yeah, right? I got the power. You got the power. You got the power of the Holy Spirit in you. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in me, but not you. No! The same power of the world Jesus from the grave lives in you. It lives in you. That power is in you. And guys, I'll tell you that, that God is not done doing miracles. God is not done performing amazing things. God is not done speaking to hearts and lives. God is not done with you, and he wants to do great things through you. And he wants the power of the Holy Spirit to just explode in your life. And yet here we are in a church, and we're scared. I'll be honest, as a Wesleyan, um, I, at times I'm kind of discouraged by it because we're kind of charisphobic. We're not charismatic, we're charisphobic. We're a little bit afraid of the Holy Spirit because honestly, the Holy Spirit has been abused. But the church is rising up and becoming to where we're understanding more and more that it's okay to actually let the Holy Spirit move. It's okay to let the Holy Spirit do things, and God Wants to use you. And He wants to perform miracles. And He wants to do great and mighty things through you and in you. I don't know why when you pray for people, sometimes they're healed and sometimes they're not. I know that God's got a plan, right? The very first part, we trust in Him and His plan. But I know that God wants you to speak up and He wants you to preach and He wants you to pray and He wants you to to seek Him. And He wants to do great and mighty things through you. We just have to accept it and be ready for it. We have to be having that relationship with God. We have to say, Holy Spirit, use me however you want. Back when I was at youth camp, as a matter of fact, the same youth camp this young man heard God speak, the same youth camp, one night there was this young lady, she had a a broken foot. And her foot was broken, it was black and bruised, and it was just gnarly and all kinds of messed up, right? And she was wearing a cast. And one night, somebody felt like the Holy Spirit led them to go over and pray. So they went over and they prayed for her. I kid you not. This young lady got up without the crutches, and she walked across the room. And the guy had been wrapping her foot every single day. He said, "I don't know what to. I don't how to describe this to you guys any other way, but it was gnarly, black and blue, and just it was. It looked weird." He said. And after that night, the next morning, I go to wrap it because I'm supposed to do that. It's my job. I'm the nurse. I'm supposed to do that. He said. I couldn't wrap it because there's nothing there to wrap. The bruising was gone. God is still at work. He's still doing miracles. And He still wants to use you to use those, do those miracles. I don't know what exactly it is that He wants you to use you to do, but He wants to use you. Maybe somebody has a spiritual gift of healing and you're not going out there praying for somebody. Maybe you've got another spiritual gift. You've got the spiritual gift of prophecy. You've got the spiritual gift of this. And you're not using those gifts. God wants you to use those gifts. He gave them to you for a purpose. And we're sitting here not using them. You have the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. And I want to encourage you, I want to give you this hope that you have hope that great and mighty and wonderful things can happen if you access that gift, if you access that power, if you begin to just practice just a little bit here and there. And that's what I'm learning, the spiritual gift that, that uh, that I've had all my life that I'm pretty sure I can remember way back in the day and I was able to pray over people and I was able to pray things that I didn't even know about and I was able to prophesy over them. Now I'm going to lose my license, probably. No, not really. I was able to prophesy. I was able to say things. And people come to me and they're like, how did you even know that I was having this relationship problem with my father? I'm like, I don't know. What are you talking about? How did you pray? Like you prayed for my, my relationship with my father that would be mended and it would be whole. And, you, and how did you know that I was even having I said, I, I guess God just used me to, to speak that. And I'm learning more and more, and I'm accessing more and more into that, that gift. And so I'm learning just a little bit more every single day. And, then, and it's coming a little bit more. And there's still times I'm like, I feel like God wants me to say something, but I just, I'm a little bit afraid to. Anybody else have those kind of problems? God wants me to say something, but I just don't really know if I have the, the authority or the right to. It. I don't know what I should. You know how to overcome that fear? Put on your Nikes and just do it. Boom, That's That was a good one. I someone <laughs> just do it, just do it. I know it's scary, it's super scary. That's what I was telling, telling the kids this week, I said, you know, when I get to, to preach, there's a sense of nervousness at first when I get ready to preach. I'm a little nervous. Most of it's because I'm nervous about, I want to speak and use want God to use me. But the other part of that is I'm just nervous because I'm naturally nervous because I want to do well. But when I get up to preach, you know what happens? That nervousness just kind of disappears, goes away. Just do it, just do it. God will give you the words. matter of fact, didn't he say that when you, when you come before we get back here now in our um, passage of Scripture. In, in Luke, chapter six, or Luke chapter 12, it says, When you're brought before the synagogues, rulers, and authorities, don't worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you'll say. The Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit's going to teach you at the time. It's okay. Just trust Him. The Holy Spirit is in you and He wants to be used by you. And you have that power and the authority to do great things. I've, you guys have heard me say it. All, all, all power and authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus is speaking this, right? All power and authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. What's Jesus saying there? All power and authority have got. Go. Use it. It's like I told you guys, and you, know, you, you might remember this analogy. God said, hey, I've got a, a nice boat. It's a beautiful boat sitting in my driveway. Go and go fishing. What's, God's, what, what's the person saying to you? Back up to it, hook it up and go on the lake, right? Or they're just saying, go fishing. I got this nice boat, but you got to go sit on the bank. <laughs> that's not what they're saying, is it? That's not what God, that's what Jesus say. All power and authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, use it. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them all that I've commanded. Holy Spirit, you have this hope, guys. I want to encourage you, use this hope the hope in the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you to have a hope in eternal life. Be excited about heaven. It's going to be amazing. I can only imagine how great it's going to be. Be excited about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And today, as as we wrap up, I know that each one of us, and I struggle in all three of these areas at varying degrees. But I know that in each area, maybe you struggle. Maybe you struggle with having a hope in eternity, you have a hard time really grasping eternity, I just want you to just, just even right now, just say, God, I want, it, I want to learn more about heaven and I want to have hope in heaven. Maybe you don't understand the fullness of the relationship you have with Jesus. And I want you to take a moment and I want you to say, God, I want this relationship with you. I want to know what it's like to hear your voice. And I want you to take a time where well, you silence yourself, you shut off your radio, you take your phone out of your pocket, you go away from your five screaming children. Wait, oh, that's just me, isn't it? Sorry. <laughs> you go away from your five screaming, you go you go to a place and you set up aside and you just sit there and you just seek God. Say, speak to me, God. Because I promise you, He wants to speak to you. Listen. And the more you listen, the easier it is to hear. I forgot to mention that. You know, it's like if anybody remember a time and a day when you'd get a phone call and you take it up off the wall and you'd hello? <laughs> I don't know who's there, but hello? There was a time, Isaac, I'm gonna tell you, there was a time in a day when you'd answer the phone and you wouldn't know who's on the other side. Right? Anybody remember those times, right? And I was I'm I'm old enough to know that there was a time and you could hello? And then somebody would speak on the side, and they say, "Hey, can I speak to your dad?" Oh, hi, Grandpa. How you doing? How did I know it was Grandpa? I knew his voice. I heard it over and over and over again, and eventually, I got to know his voice. The same thing is true. You want to hear God's voice? You want to hear God speak to you? Pick up the phone and listen. You'll get to hear it more and more and more, and you'll recognize it more and more and more and more. The more you hear it, the easier it gets, and then eventually you can be like, "Oh, God, you're breathing. I know it's you." <sighs> Look, I am your father. Oh, that's Darth Vader. <laughs> Sorry, wrong guy. No, just I had to throw that in for you. God, the more you listen to Him, the better you get to know Him. And guys, that's my encouragement for you. If you not if you want to have a relationship with God, spend time listening, and not only listen, but then obey. Because obedience produces even more. And the more you obey, the more you do, the more you serve, the greater things happen. And I've gone way too long. I'm sorry, guys. And I also want to encourage you to walk in the Holy Spirit. Walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and use the Holy Spirit. Allow it to move in your life in powerful, powerful ways. Because He wants to do great things in you. And just begin to seek Holy Spirit. And when you feel like God is asking you to do something... Trust in the Holy Spirit. You have the hope in the Holy Spirit. It's in you. It's in you and it's living and dwelling in you. Trust in the Holy Spirit and do it. No matter what it might seem, it might seem odd. If you're in the grocery store and, and you feel like God's saying, I want you to just, just right now just say, Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> might be weird. And now I'm going to go to Meyer and that's what I'm going to have to do. Thank you, God. Whatever. You know, <laughs> it might be, I don't know what it's going to be. God might want you to pray for the person who's cashiering. Just do it. He's going to give you the words. He's going to give you the things to say. Just trust Him. Holy Spirit is in you. And He'll speak through you. So that's my encouragement to each one of you is you have a hope in eternity. You have a hope in a relationship with Jesus. And you have a hope in the Holy Spirit. And what's even more important is each one of those things you can grow and increase in that hope through Holy Spirit. And you can know Him and you can be more and more excited every day for eternity. I'm so excited. To see what God's going to do in my life, and I want to see what He does in your life as you begin to just live in that hope. Let's have a word of prayer as we wrap up today. Great Heavenly Father, God, I want to thank you so much for each person here. I know that each and every one of them, Lord, I know that every one of us we struggle, we battle through different things in our lives, Lord. We we struggle in different areas. As Rick was saying, he struggles with, with you know, trusting you all the time. I, I know exactly how he feels. God, I just pray that we would begin to put our faith and our hope in you. And that these troubles of this world, we would begin to just, just disappear because we trust you. And as we begin to start to doubt, we begin to start to have fear, Lord, we begin to, instead of fearing, we begin to look at eternity and think, you know what, this stuff here on earth means nothing compared to heaven. Is inflation. The, the streets are gold. It doesn't matter. Help us to trust in You, Lord, and put a relationship in You and dig deeper in You. And, and help us to, to spend time in Your Word. Help us to spend time drawing close to You. And Lord, teach us to listen. Teach us to listen because we've been so long. Been so noisy. Teach us to listen. God, help us to access Holy Spirit. Use us in powerful ways. Lord, I pray that right now that each person in here, you would do something in their lives that's miraculous. And they would experience Holy Spirit in a powerful way. And they would be encouraged and they'd be excited. That Lord, they would begin to seek you and say, Holy Spirit, use me. Use me. Do great things. Do wondrous things in me, Lord. I pray that each person here, we would just draw close to you. Lord, we have this hope. We have this hope in you, in your resurrection. We have hope in everything you've given to us, Lord. Guide us, direct us, and lead us, and let us walk every single day in that hope. Lord, we love you, God. We praise you, and I thank you for everything you are and for everything you're going to do. Christ, precious and His holy name, we pray all of these things. Amen. Amen. Amen.